0: Well, it's that time of the week again it's time for chit chat across the pond this is episode number 583 for february 23rd 2019 and i'm your host allison sheridan this week our guest is bart Bouchat's with programming by stealth Installment 72 of x how is it going bart it's going
1: fine um except that i have a cold i hate having a cold
0: i have a cold it so seems to be going cold, around <laughs> Yeah, from here to there, right?
1: Oh, yeah, that Atlantic Ocean, that entire continent. Yeah, it makes no difference. It must be it must be the same cold.
0: It probably is. Uh, well, I had fun. I did my homework and got it done 10 entire minutes before we got on the call. That
1: sounds like me as a
0: student. <laughs> well, I no, was no, no, fam- no, 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 no. I did not procrastinate, Bart. I don't want you thinking. I procrastinated. I worked on this from day one. I've worked on I probably put in... I don't know, 20 hours on it because Dorothy was in Hawaii.
1: If you didn't have a blog, I wouldn't know that you spent a lot of time procrastinating about other things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I did did a lot of other stuff, but no, I've been uh, I've been working hard on it and I got it done and I even did some extra stuff that didn't work. So there.
1: That all sounds good. I mean, the the whole point is to experiment, right? The, the challenge is just to, to sort of to yeah. prod you and then, you know, off you go or off anyone goes. I think so. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So um, today, I think last time I teased you and said we're going to learn all about mustache today. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're doing that next week or next time. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I had my show notes written about 80% and they weren't gelling. They didn't, They weren't making sense. They didn't have a story. They didn't have a narrative. And I realized it's because I was jumping to step C, having entirely left out step B between Mm. A and C. So we're spending our day today doing something else instead, HTML5 templates, because Mm. they are between where we are now, which is no templates, and where we want to go, which is mustache templates. Hmm. Okay. But before we do that, um, let us do a little look at the challenge solution so the challenge last time we had we'd done a little dumb i think i called it a silly timer app um basically you put in some text you choose a number and then every minute it will say you know you're so many minutes left and at the very end it'll put up a modal with your yeah so it's toast toast in between and then a modal at the end with your message that you typed into the form
0: and for since a, we called it making toast. I called mine making waffles.
1: Waffles are tastier,
0: <laughs> definitely tastier. I was in the mood.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't had good Belgian waffles in ages. Mm. Anyway, um, so the, the the what we had was you know very basic functionality. You click the go button, and then you were committed. Really, there was nothing you could do about it. So if you put in fifty minutes or whatever, well, it was out for fifty minutes, and. Right. There was no really way to tell it was going either. So the page would sort of go all, you know, the form would grey out and that'd be that, which isn't really the world's best user interface either. So there was a twin challenge, some sort of UI element to indicate that there is something happening. This is expected behaviour. This is not some, the app hasn't crashed. It's doing what it should be. And also an ability to cancel, to stop. I believe you called your stop the madness. Which yep. seems fine to me, seems like a perfectly good thing to call it, well, there are um, waffles
0: everywhere. I mean, what else could I call it
1: exactly so that that were basically the two parts of the challenge, and I left it intentionally very open for how you chose to design the u i so there there's really as long as you can as long as both of those very Englishy goals are met it 's a perfect solution, no matter how different it is to what I chose to do because this is completely arbitrary, and that was kind of the point to to leave it open for people to do what they like, because you know, why is my choice in UI necessarily the right choice? So, the first thing I did, so I used my own sample solution from last time as my starting point, and I, th- I think you said you started over.
0: Uh no, no, I used the, oh, okay. I used the same one I was doing before. I just added to it. Okay, all right,
1: cool. Um, so I started on my sample solution by doing a little bit of housework. Um, so. Rather than ha- at the, As we left our code, I was doing all of the work in my event handlers, which doesn't make it the world's easiest code to read. So I decided it would be good to start breaking the code out of the event handlers into named functions with sensible names. So the first function I created, and it really was literally a copy-paste job, was a, I took most of the code from the click handler for the go button and i put it into a function named start timer and literally copy paste job uh, mm-hmm. and then i could update the handler to simply calling my function
0: i actually did some of that too did mm. some refactoring there we go, it's a good word, too. I, I tried when I started it and I it kept screwing up, so I left it stupid. And then once I got it working, then I said, Okay, now I understand it better. Now I can make it be its own function and pull it out. And that way, I can uh not. I was retyping the same thing over and over again, and that smelled terrible.
1: Perfect, you, you even got the lingo down. Bad smell, yeah. <laughs> if you find yourself duplicating code. It's a good sign it should be in a function because if you need to edit that code later, you need to mentally remember, was it in two other places or was it in three other places? You know, where all do I have to right. go edit this? Whereas if it's in a function, you know exactly where to edit the function. Right. So now I was done refactoring that. I went on to refactor, to refactor some more of the code. So I now have a function called disable form. Three guesses what it does. And enable form, equally as earth shattering. Uh, Now, the next problem my code had, which is a problem your code didn't have, and it wasn't a problem as such because my code worked fine, but I had chosen not to add a click handler to my button, but I had chosen to add a submit handler to my form. Now, my chosen solution is to have one button which changes from a start button to a stop button and back to a start button. Which means I actually needed to switch from wait, you know, so my button used to be a submit button, which means that the only thing it could do was trigger the submit event. So that uh. isn't going to work for a start and stop. So I needed to refactor even further and turn my button from type equals submit into type equals button. So it became a normal button. But then my handler needed to be updated too. So I decided to leave my submit handler alone because I think it's command enter is a keyboard shortcut for submit form. So I figured I'll leave my event handler as it is and add a second event handler as a click on the button.
0: Oh, oh, I see. That's a good way.
1: And since I moved everything from start into its own named function, I just have two click handlers that call start. Hmm. So that yeah, you know, that was so. That's Makes what sense. I ended up with, and I believe screen readers, a lot of them, will also have a shortcut of some kind for triggering a form submit. So I figured, now, let's just catch all the events.
0: Okay, that's cool.
1: Okay, so at that stage, what I had is zero new functionality. <laughs> right, nothing has changed. It's still from a UI point of view, it still behaved exactly the same. But under the hood, we're now listening to two events instead of one event and the code has been broken into nicely named functions so that the actual event handlers have become easier to read. And to me, that was an easier place to start making changes to. Right. So the first thing I needed to do was my disable function was disabling the entire form. But I now want my button to go from being a start button to a stop button, and when I disable the button, it's, it's not very effective at doing anything. So I need my disable function to be a bit less of a sledgehammer, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. What was it doing that you needed it to stop doing?
1: It was disabling everything in the form, including my button.
0: Oh, Oh, right, right. Okay. Oh, right, right. But my button... Yeah. I had mine outside of my field set, and then it could stay even though it was... It's not ideal the way I did it because it sort of looks gray, but it isn't really because the page gets gray. Yeah.
1: So... What I chose to do instead is... So my I was disabling the forum by saying... Um, oh, I'm jumping the gun ahead of myself. I did a little bit more refactoring before I did anything new, actually. Um, I decided... Actually, no. Refactoring is the wrong word. I decided before I started to build a second story on my house, I should shore up the foundation, if we're going with mixed metaphors. Um, so I decided to add a new CSS class so that I could easily do stuff later. So my disable form function will now hide anything in the entire page with the CSS class not underscore running under... Sorry, it will show every... Ah, let me say that all again. <laughs> everything's backwards. There's negatives everywhere here. The <laughs> disable form function will show everything with the class not running only... And hide everything with the class running only. And my enable form function will do the opposite.
0: So I now okay. have these two
1: CSS classes I can use to make stuff appear and disappear depending on whether or not my form is enabled or disabled. So whenever I enable the form, anything with this class will appear or disappear as appropriate. Because okay. I'm a lazy sod. I want things I would to come and go. Your,
0: I would have named your classes completely differently, but if it works for you, go for it. Well, running only means it's only
1: visible it. while my timer is running, and not running only means it's only visible while my timer is not running. Is my way of thinking about it. Okay. But as I say, you name variables for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So for okay, so there's all my groundwork done. So now at this stage, I need to update my button so that it can have two identities. It has a split personality. Sometimes it's a go button and sometimes it's a running button. So inside my button, I now have three spans. One of them has class spinner-border, spinner-border-sm and m mr-2. So it has a margin right of two and the class running only and it's display none by default. So I have a spinner, but I've hidden it and I've okay. given it this class running only.
0: Because it's not running yet. Because exactly, running only.
1: Exactly. When the page loads, there's nothing running. So it's not yet visible. Then mm-hmm. I have a span with the word start inside it with an exclamation point. And it has the class not running only. So that one is there by default because when the page loads, it's not running yet. And then I have another span with the word running and an ellipsis. And that one is running only and display none. So the button contains a spinner, the word start, and the word running. And initially, the only thing visible is the word start. Which is a reasonable starting place. Um, Now, the other slight issue is that I decided to use button-success for my start button, which is perfectly sensible for start button. Not very sensible for stop button. Right? (laughs) So... I again updated my disable form function to add inside disable $button.removeClassButton-Success.AddClassButton-Danger. So when you disable the form, you remove success and add danger. So you turn the button red. And when you enable the form, you remove the class danger and add the class success, so you turn it to green. Does that Makes make sense? sense? Okay, yeah. yeah. So at this point in time, if you were to click my buttons, if you use the expression, the button was still disabled. It would change to red and it would say, you know, running dot, 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 and it would show the spinner and it would be disabled. So clearly I need a little bit more work to uh, fix it all a bit. Uh, so what do I have My, the way I was disabling my form before I changed anything was that I was using this a, a variable called form controls, which was created by saying dollar. So give me everything in the form that matches input, comma text area, comma button. So everything inside the form that is an input tag, a text area tag or a button tag. So I took the comma space button and hit the backspace on it. Therefore, my form controls variable no longer contained the button. So when I disable it, it no longer disables the button.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So I just got less specific. I just basically went, yeah, leave him behind. Don't select him. Uh, So at that stage, what I needed to do was update my handler for the click button because there's still one button. So when I click the button, it needs to decide what to do. It used to just always start the timer. But now I have to be a little bit cleverer So I have a variable called running, which tells me whether or not I'm running. So my click handler now says, if running, stop timer, else start timer.
0: (laughs) Okay, makes
1: sense. And we're really benefiting now from that refactoring. Because instead of each of those being, you know, 20, 30 lines of code, they're just really easy to read. So when I read, what does my click handler do? I can see it's it's Englishy. And the only thing then left to do, really... Uh, What did I have to change? Yeah, I think I had to refactor my set timeout button to call stop timer. And that's it, really. So basically, what, what I did was a whole bunch of refactoring, and then my event handler just basically got an if statement.
0: <laughs> that's pretty easy.
1: Well, it's easy after you've done it, and you reverse engineer it to some text.
0: Yeah, it sounds perfectly reasonable now.
1: Yeah, because that makes it sound like I knew exactly what I was doing from day one. I didn't stumble around in the dark briefly, you know, but that's not how programming actually
0: works. You always go down a few blind avenues. Right. One of the things I, I did on purpose was I didn't go back through your code to write mine, like even to do the spinners. I wanted to force myself to try to learn... To make sure I was using the documentation to find the instructions, not always going, you know, not always depending on you just spoon fed it to me. That makes me so happy because
1: <laughs> that, right, developers don't really know things. Developers know how to look
0: things up. And that's what I would say about engineers. So that works for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, another word for developer is software engineer.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: So, you know, there are people, as you would say, or they're your people. <laughs> I don't have an engineering qualification. But they're also scientist-y types, so I'm a scientist. Sure. So, unless you have any questions for me, I think that covers us off on the homework.
0: Yeah, let's move on.
1: Okay, so, templating. It's a very broad topic, which is why I was having so much trouble jumping straight into Mustache. We, You know, I immediately went into describing this particular pine tree Whereas I probably should take a moment to talk about the forest that we're all standing in. So, the whole concept of templates is just a very broad idea. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is we're trying to mix something, some sort of variable, into some static content in some sort of organized and sensible way. And we actually, although I haven't used those words, we have actually done this already in one form so the backtick operator in javascript its official name they're actually called template literals and in the very early drafts of the es6 spec they were actually called template strings but either way they have the word template in them so if we and look at remember you
0: calling them that and thinking what is he talking about
1: yeah So if we take the very, very simple bit of code and you can copy and paste this into um, a JavaScript console or whatever, but const let, ooh, there's a (laughs) typo there. I will
0: take a screenshot That should be
1: let like equals ice cream. No, const like equals ice cream. It becomes equal to ice cream is what that should be. I changed my mind on const and let. And instead of replacing the word const, I replaced the name of my variable. (laughs)
0: So it was supposed to be let like equals ice cream,
1: or it could have been const like equals ice cream. Either way, it really should have been like becomes equal to ice cream. Okay. So imagine that's a variable called like. Okay. And then we say console.log backtick, I really like $open curly bracket name of my variable like, close curly bracket, comma, it's just so tasty. End my backtick. And ends my call to console. That will print out I really like ice cream. So that is a mixture of static data, which is two strings, I really like, and it's so taste it's just so tasty, and a variable, the variable like, which happens to have the value ice cream. So if I say a template mixes static content with variables, well, we just mixed static content with variables. Okay. Very minimalist templating. Very minimalist. But it is actually I, I'm, templating. I'm
0: having trouble gra- grabbing this in, my, in a permanent spot, and I assume as you go through I'll get more of it. But to me, a template is where you build something you're going to use over and over again.
1: Yes, it is, which is why this is a very basic template. Okay. Because this is one we use once. Well, we are still mixing static and dynamic content. So if you had that line of code in a function... And instead of it always being ice cream, you were reading the value from a text box. Well, then that same template would get called with multiple values every time. So if I put that inside a click handler somewhere and it was pulling in something you typed into a text box and every time that same string was used, it would have a different value inside it. So now it is template-y.
0: So when you first showed us uh, template literals, it was in the context of not having to type the annoying concatenation code. Yeah, so that's pretty is, much is, what we're using them for. Is, but is concatenation also a template a very 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 crude
1: template, I guess yeah if you if you take the whole thing together it be it, it sort of simulates a template, but in the case of the template string, it is one thing behaving in that way, so I guess that's where the difference okay. lies
0: okay, all right, I'll let you keep going, hopefully I'll we'll, yeah, we'll I mean find that's to say, way the, to cement this the,
1: the, the, It would be wrong of me not to say that we had done some extremely basic templating with these template literals, especially because they're called template literals. But we're going what beyond that yeah so we're going beyond that into what you're thinking of which is the concept of having sort of like a rubber stamp that you can just keep stamping over and over and over and over again which is where we want to get to and the reason that this is the point in the series because i've been i've been looking for a hook to hang this on for months and toasts are the hook because the code for making a toast is ugly i think you'll agree We're using all of this jQuery to build up some HTML, and it works, and we're successfully building our toasts, but that code is not easy to read. You can't glance at that code and see the HTML structure. You're mentally building it up. So, okay, so I make a new tag of a div, and then I give it this class, and then I give it this attribute. So you're mentally imagining the HTML. You can't see the HTML. So it's very hard to debug. It's very hard to maintain. It's just not very friendly code. So with templates, we can make it into friendly code. And that's a good thing. So that's the problem to be solved. Um, HTML was originally written for the purpose of being... A language for describing documents. It was basically typesetting. It was about it was about writing, um, you know, some text that referenced to other texts using hypertext. And then the Web 2.0 thing came on, where the web became a read-write sort of thing, and we ended up with web apps and forums and all these kind of things. So it's taken a while for a lot of these features that we need to do web appy things. And templates are a big deal in web appy things like toasts and stuff, or web appy things. That needed to be retrofitted into HTML. And so, what we're learning about today was only retrofitted quite recently. This is an HTML5 feature. Oh, OK. And it's an HTML5 feature with a little asterisk. Um, the charming people in Microsoft have never backported this to any version of Internet Explorer, not even IE11. So this is this will not work for people running Windows Seven unless oh, they have okay, another browser, which is fine. Yeah,
0: because nobody's going to be able to afford to run Windows Seven. Yes, as we see talked our, about on see our other show.
1: Yeah, which we recorded yesterday, and no one's heard until after this because it's wibbly wobbly, wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so in this series, we've made the decision that we're forward-looking. And so we were doing HTML5, whether IE likes it or not. But just to say, in the real world, you may actually be forced to skip today's lesson and go straight on to next week's lesson, because these new, cool, fancy HTML5 templates are not available to you if you're forced to support IE. Hmm. Okay. But anyway, having left that aside, welcome to HTML5. What we now want to learn how to do is to make our templates. And what we're going to learn this week is that HTML5 templates are really good for stuff like toasts. But templates can do way more than that, which is why every language on the planet, pretty much, that I've ever programmed in, there isn't just a third-party library for doing templating. There are, like, myriad of them. And I actually discovered the word myriad means 10,000 in ancient Greek. Really? Now, I don't think there's actually 10,000 JavaScript templating libraries, but there's a darn sight more than 10. And the other thing I'm here to say is I have picked one we're going to do next week, which is Mustache. Do not interpret that as me saying Mustache is the best JavaScript templating library. It's not, it's the one I like best. That's not the so same thing. Y-
0: you pick one of these template libraries and then that's what you use? Or can you use many of them? You or could use many of them. It's very abstract to me. It is very abstract. But basically,
1: they, see, at the end of the day, the reason it's abstract is because they all solve the same problem. The problem being, I need this reusable thing and I need it to be generic and I need to have the ability to have conditionals in it. So something all these templating libraries have in common is that you can have a bit of your template which is conditional. So if some condition is true, this goes in, otherwise this is ignored. And you can have loops inside of templates. So do this thing until we run out of array elements or something. So you might have a template for a list. And so the template describes, you know, what goes in front of the list and the start of the list. And then it has a loop inside the template that says, and for everything in this array, use this little sub-template. So that's why these things get really fancy and you can't do any of that cool stuff with the HTML5 templates, which is why next week we're going on to do Mustache. But it doesn't matter if we did Mustache or another one because they all have conditionals and they all have loops. So what it comes down to is which one works the way your brain does because they're all written by different programmers who have different styles and who have different opinions. And some programmers think like me and some programmers think like you and some programmers think like someone else. And so what really matters is that you pick one that works for you. And some of them have other advantages. So the reason, I there's three reasons I use Mustache. The first is it's a very lightweight templating engine. So it's not this massive code library that has 20 million dependencies you have to go install separately. It's standalone and small. The API is childishly simple which is great because then i don't forget it and it works across about 20 languages so i can use mustache when i'm writing Perl, and i can use mustache when i'm writing php and i can use mustache when i'm writing javascript and that way i only have to learn one because i'm a lazy so sod I, I may have mentioned
0: <laughs> i like learning about why you like mustache but i don't understand what templates are yet so we're i don't learn about templates this week right
1: we are. We're going to do HTML5. Okay. So I just need to set the picture here. We're we're on a journey here, and what we're learning today is step one, and then next week we're going to go into step two. But I I, just, I sort of wanted to give a context of where we're going. Okay. So what I would what I hope before I go any further, I hope you understand the problem to be solved is that ugly code for making toasts. That's what we're going to solve today. Good. Good. And you do agree with me that that's ugly code you find hard to maintain Absolutely. and read. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what we need is a way of representing a generic piece of HTML that we can then copy and basically clone, tweak, and use. Clone, tweak, and use. Because every toast is similar but not identical. So it's clone, tweak, and use. Now, the HTML5 tag for making templates is called template. This is good. Okay, good. So you define the piece of HTML that you want to reuse inside a template tag. So you say angle bracket template. And for reasons that will become clear later, you have to give it an ID for this to be in any way useful. So you say open angle bracket template space ID equals some ID if you're choosing close angle bracket. Then you put the bit of HTML in that you're going to be reusing and then you close the template tag. And now you have created between opening template and closing template is your snippet that you're going to reuse over and over again. Okay. So you're typing it as ordinary HTML. That's way easier than a bunch of jQuery stuff, right? Right, right. So you're just typing HTML. But because it's inside this tag, it's in the document, but it's not in the document. The browser, if it's HTML5 aware does not show templates so the code is there but when you load the page you will not see it it's just sitting there waiting for you to use javascript to say give me a copy of that one over there please and then i'm going to turn it into a toast and do something with it but not only is it not visible which is important it's like double invisible so if you if you had a template that contained a div and that div had some sort of class buggers or whatever and if you use jQuery and you ask jQuery to give me everything in the whole document with the class buggers the ones inside the template would not come back in the answer.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So they are in the document but they're not. They're un- they're unrendered elements. They're complete they're unrendered both visually and logically. Right? They're completely in limbo. You have to ac- proactively reach in, get the template, clone it, and then use it. So that's important. Makes sense, though. It does make sense, because otherwise they wouldn't be very good templates. And that is why, that is that is the insight that HTML5 had. It was solving this problem, and this is how they did it. There's another little caveat I have to give you. There are rules on where you can throw these tags. You can't just, Plop them anywhere you like. They should be direct children of body or head. And I would say pop them in the top of the body or the bottom of the body. Okay. And that's it. It makes sense. Yeah. So let us consider a very simple template. Template id equals tpl1. P. I like span class equals thing slash span comma it's just so tasty. Close paragraph. Close template. So the first thing is for us to use this. So this is a native HTML feature and it is not something that jQuery has. So jQuery gives superpowers to things in the DOM, assuming the developers of jQuery thought it was worth giving them superpowers. The jQuery people have not done anything with templates. So we yeah. are going to have to use raw DOM stuff today, which is something we have never been forced to do before. So far, jQuery has done magic for everything we've needed of it. You used it last week because you found a way to reset, not reset, the other one, disable an entire form, no, an entire field a set in one go set. using the native DOM objects. So again, we I we're didn't into
0: realize I was making a great discovery. and I, I, I think the, the reason I've been running across this is I've been doing searches for blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for JavaScript. But what mm-hmm. I really need to be writing is jQuery because every time I forget to say jQuery, I get this thing you're about to tell everybody about.
1: But that's no bad thing, actually, because you can turn any DOM object into a jQuery object in one in one quick go, which I probably right. should... Actually, I intentionally am telling you this now because it's really good to know. If you take... So if you give the dollar function as an argument a DOM object, you get back a jQuery object. That represents that DOM object. Basically I look at a jQuery object as being dumb objects with superpowers. Mm-hmm. If you just pass the DOM object into the dollar function, you get back a superpower version. It puts on a Superman cloak. So if you say document.getElementById by ID and you give it an ID. Oh, you
0: haven't told anybody that yet, that that's what we're we okay. started talking about before you told people?
1: Okay, so let me, okay, let me back, because so the document get element by ID is actually going a little further than I want to go right now. So let's actually back right up. So every time you open a new HTML tag, the browser creates an object in the document object model, or the DOM, to represent that tag. So every single HTML tag on your page, there's a matching object that the browser holds for you. And we have been indirectly using these. We have been using jQuery to talk to them on our behalf. So jQuery has been our middleman. And that has saved us a lot of typing because jQuery is a very efficient middleman between us and the DOM. But you don't have to use jQuery, right? jQuery is a third-party library that just makes life easier, but it's not compulsory. So everything we've been doing in jQuery, you can do without jQuery if you use the DOM stuff. And in fact, that's how jQuery works. It's just doing it on our behalf. So those objects have always existed, and we've been using them indirectly. Hmm. So to directly access something with an ID in pure JavaScript with no third-party libraries, just you know raw JavaScript, the function that does that in raw JavaScript is document.getElementById. And it's all camel case, so lowercase g, uppercase e, uppercase b, uppercase i, lowercase d, which I find I'd mistype every time. (laughs) And it takes as an argument the id as a string. And that's subtly different to what we're used to. Because what we're used to is that the dollar function takes as an argument a CSS selector and a css selector could be an id or it could be a class or it could be the name of a tag so that means that when when we're in jquery world it's octothorpe and then the id whereas when we're in raw javascript mode it's just the id
0: and nobody ever screws that up right
1: <laughs> this is why i never use document that get element by id
0: Bart and I spent a bunch of time working on this one extra credit piece I did that didn't work and it was exactly that mistake using the the octothorpe when I shouldn't have and not using it when I should have or using it twice or something
1: and it's very it can get very confusing which is why I tend to avoid doing it so with all of that said we have our template now and it has the id tpl1 so if you go a-googling, you will, you will find that the way you get the DOM object is you might say const tpl1 DOM becomes equal to document.getElementById and then you give it the string tpl1. And that will work. But we don't have to throw jQuery out with the bathwater here. jQuery is a wrapper around the DOM object but well, you can unwrap the object. And the way you unwrap it if you read the jQuery documentation is jQuery has a function called get. And so if you say... Dollar whatever dot get zero it gives you the first element in the jQuery object as a raw DOM object. So const tpl1 dom becomes equal to document dot get element by the tpl1 is exactly the same as const tpl dom becomes equal to dollar tpl1 dot get zero. So those two lines so, are interchangeable. I
0: needed this one week earlier.
1: Yeah, well, you were ahead of the class because you were off by yourself <laughs> discovering new stuff, which was great to see. Um, right. But I this hadn't prepared exactly you because you I, I didn't know you were homework. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I didn't know you were off there. You were off on your own having fun. So regardless of which of those two methods we use, we now have a DOM object that represents the template. What we now need to do is we need the content of the template... And the way you get that is by a property called content on that DOM object. But that gives access to the template, but not a clone of the template. So the raw JavaScript function for cloning, it's called the document fragment. is is what we sort of, actually, no, it's not. It's called the template. Anyway, sorry, I'm mixing myself up here. Dot content gives you the template's content, and you need to clone those, and the function for doing so does not contain the word clone anywhere, which is why I found... I had a little bit of trouble actually getting the show notes together for this, because I found it very confusing. But I got there in the end. The function we need is document.importNode. So what... what, Wait, what? (laughs) What I know. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Document.importNode will clone the template it will clone the template's content in fact is what we're going to use it for
0: okay you say so
1: so we are going to make a new variable called tpl clone doc frag and i'll explain its name in a moment becomes equal to document.importnode tpl1 dom.content comma true.children yikes oh sure sorry we typo aren't doing this sorry, sorry typo in show notes can you Delete the dot children that comes next.
0: Uh, in the one you just read,
1: the one I just read shouldn't have mentioned any children.
0: Ah, okay. All right. Screen I was thinking I was taken. biting.
1: I think I, I was thinking that looked like I was taking two bites of the apple.
0: Okay. It's confusing so screen-
1: enough without the children.
0: That's okay. So
1: let's back up a minute. So TPL one dom, we know what that is because that is the dom object that represents the template. We don't want the template, we that, want the That's a variable
0: content. name that you invented.
1: Yes, so I invented that above by either calling document.getElementById with the ID or $OCTOXORP the ID.get0. So whichever way you've got it, we now have this DOM object. Yes? Okay. And then we need to reach into the template because we don't want the whole template tag, we want the stuff inside the template tag. So you get that with the property content. So we're saying our DOM object, which we've named tpl1DOM, .content. So in our case, that's a paragraph, but it could be something else. It could be 20 tags, right? It's whatever you put inside the template. And then we clone all of that with document.importNode. Don't ask me to don't. I don't know.
0: Okay, so every time we read document.importNode, we have to think clone. We clone it. And what we get Mm -hmm. as a clone is not really what we want. What we get as
1: a clone is something called a document fragment. And the document fragment contains the content that we cloned, but we have to go fetch it. So the next step, the next piece of code... Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Why did we say true? I was with you and then I realized there's a comma true on that line. The
1: comma true is required according to the documentation because otherwise it does a shallow copy... Which means that if you edit your copy, you're editing the original too.
0: Oh, yikes. I discovered that the the hard way. (laughs) So let me say where it was. So he does the clone with document.import node. Then inside parentheses, he's got this DOM object that he's created, tpl1DOM.content. So we're pulling the content, but then it says comma true. Yeah. So that second
1: argument says, I don't just mean a clone. I mean an actual clone. Okay. And Yeah. So now we have this document fragment, and there's a link there in the show notes. If you want to read the docs on a document fragment, I suggest you don't. (laughs) I spent a long time on this rabbit hole. What I discovered while ferreting around in the rabbit hole, which makes no sense. I should be in a ferret hole. um, What I discovered is that what we need from that document fragment is its children. So... Okay. At the end of all of this, what we really wanted was a DOM object to represent our new clone. So const tplCloneDOM, is what I'm calling this variable, becomes equal to tpl one clone docfrag.children. Finally, we have everything we need. We now have a native JavaScript DOM object that represents a clone of our template. And if we want to give it superpowers... We just shove that inside the dollar function. And then okay, hang finally. On,
0: hang on. Hey, no, 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 no. You okay. don't get to go on. We're not even get close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, try. nice try, though. Okay, so I started laughing when you said don't read about fragments. So then that got me to stop realizing what you were saying. So what is a fragment versus the children of a fragment?
1: The fragment contains a wrapper that says it's a fragment. And if you don't take its children, you have this bloody wrapper with you everywhere. Okay, and that wrapper right. just gets in your way. I don't know why the clone function feels the need to give you this wrapper, but it does, and okay. you need to get rid. You need to discard the wrapper. Basically, you've asked it to clone you the chocolate bar, and it's cloned you the chocolate bar and the wrapper.
0: You know, creating HTML using j- jQuery is looking pretty good, Bart. <laughs> you see, you're saying that right,
1: but what I'm going to give you is so I'm doing it from first principles here. But what you're actually going to use in the real world is not going to be this complex. You're going to get a copy and paste job that you're just going to maybe have as a text expander snippet. Okay. And it's going to be a one-liner. But if I just gave you the one-liner, that wouldn't be good.
0: Okay. So uh, I stopped you when you were trying to wrap this all in the dollar function.
1: Yes. So after we get the children, so after we unwrap our document fragment to get what's inside again, we have a raw DOM object, a native JavaScript, no superpowers, not jQuery DOM object. So to give it its superpowers back, we just shove it into the dollar function.
0: And you don't need quotes around? TPO no, because we're, we're not on.
1: giving it a string. We're actually giving it the object. We're saying, so. The dollar function behaves differently depending on the arguments you give it. So if you give it the argument of a string, it will try to treat it like a CSS selector and go searching for stuff.
0: Oh, right. If
1: you give the dollar function the argument of a function, it becomes your document-ready event handler. Right? Your document-ready event handler is dollar and then a function. If you look at your...
0: in, right. So in this case, though, uh, this is a variable which is an object,
1: which is a dumb object specifically. So when jQuery okay. gets handed a dumb object, it goes, "Oh, you just want me to give it superpowers, sir? Yes, sir. Here you go. Here's the super version of what you gave me." Okay. So all you're doing by by putting dollar around it is you're effectively wrapping that dumb object in the jQuery superpowers, and now it's a jQuery object, as if you had gotten it through any other jQuery means. So at the end of all of that, we have a jQuery object that is a clone of our template. And so we can do anything with it we would have done with any other jQuery object, dot append into your toast rack, say. Mm -hmm. And so now we're, we're at the end result of all of that horrible code, but we got there by cloning a template instead of by building it up step by step. And the really important thing to bear in mind so when we're doing the toast, it was maybe 10 lines of code because a toast is a div containing a div containing, sorry, a div containing two divs. But a template could be 500 lines long and it would still be the same few short lines of code. Clone me the template, give me it, you know, turn it into a document fragment, give me the children, wrap it up in the dollar function. So the lines of code for a 500 tag template the old way would be horrific. But the lines of code for a five hundred tag template the new way is exactly the same as the line of code for this one silly template with one paragraph. Okay. So that's a big that's something to bear in mind that although with a really silly trivial example it doesn't look much shorter, in the real world, where your template might be the entire UI of your web app, it's a huge difference. Right? Every button, every drop down, every menu in your app.
0: Ah. Uh, okay.
1: So, putting it all together, the 11 lines of code, including comments, is what we're really doing. So let's walk through them again. Get the template's raw DOM object. So, const tpl1 DOM becomes equal to, using the dollar function, we give it the CSS selector octothorpe tpl1, and then we get its raw object with get zero. Mm -hmm. We then say, clone it, and give me the document fragment by... Oh, that same typo again, Alison. You're gonna to have to screenshot that one for me. Okay. Then we say, "Give me the children out of your document fragment," and then we say, "Excellent. I now have what I need. Wrap that with the dollar function so it has superpowers." And if I copy and paste, if I take out all of the variable names, I can basically replace every variable by how I created it. You end up with one line of code that does it all. So const dollar TPL clone becomes equal to. Dollar document at import node dollar the hash tpl1.get0 dot content comma true Wait yeah, that's, that's exactly the same thing, just all mushed together. So do there you is have your a text expander, expander snippet, snippet for that I do now.
0: <laughs> and now I it's do just you think like- there needs to be a programming by stealth text expander snippet group. you know that's actually not a bad idea. I've been looking for a reason that we have these uh, this uh, subscription model that can do that, right? No, I
1: haven't joined that yet. I'm still running the old text expander because I'm still getting security oh, updates okay. for now. I don't think I'm going to get away with that much longer. I'm, I'm sort of facing the inevitable truth. Um, we'll give you a motivation here. Exactly. So at this point in time, we now have exactly what we used to have. We now have a, a jQuery object that isn't actually connected to anything. It's sitting in limbo, but we can manipulate it so... That template contained an empty span with a class thing. So we can say $.thing. So dot means class thing, comma tpl clone one. So search for anything with the class thing inside our little template thing. Dot text ice cream. And then we could say get something else dot append our new thing. And then we would have a paragraph that says I like ice cream. Let's do a real-world example.
0: Why why would append... You're appending it to something else. It would be more than I like ice cream because it'd be appended to something, right?
1: That's what I'm saying, yeah. So I can manipulate the thing I made from my template in the normal way. Right. So I shoved in the text ice cream and then I can append it into my document in the normal way with .append or .prepend or .before or .after. Just like we did with our toasts. So let's bring all this back down to earth with a real-world practical example. So you will find in the zip file pbs72a.html. And when you open it up, what you will find is that it's almost identical to pbs70b, which was two web 72,
0: forms. 70b or
1: 72b? No, no. 72a is almost identical to the one from two weeks ago, 70b, which had two web forms in it, one for making modals and one for making toasts. 72a has half of that it's just a toast maker but i basically duplicated 70b deleted half its content and saved it as 72a is what i'm saying oh
0: okay okay great
1: so i haven't changed how it works if you open it up and have a look you will find that its click handler is doing things the old way so const dollar toast becomes equal to dollar angle bracket div dot add class toast dot atter role comma status dot atter aria dash atomic comma true. Gotcha. Gotcha. All that ugly stuff. So I've highlighted in yellow the lines that are building up the HTML. And there's one. And there's those are the hands ones off. we're
0: going to replace.
1: Exactly. And my thesis is that they're really hard to read and understand. So let's do better. Okay. So the first thing we get to do is we get to actually just write the HTML we want in a template tag. So if, at the, so if you want to jump ahead, so basically pbs72b is pbs72a with all of these changes I'm about to describe applied. So if you want to flip over into 72b, you can see what I'm describing in context. So in 72b, at the very top of the body tag, we now have a template tag.
0: See at the very top of the body tag, we have a template. Yes, we do. And it has the wonderful
1: ID toast underscore TPL. Okay, you'll see that I have a naming convention templates get
0: TPL. Um, right. and is it can the, is it from the office or from the uh the movie? What is it? Uh, need your TPL reports? No, it's not quite right. That's <laughs> no, close.
1: the TPS reports.
0: TPS reports. Okay,
1: I just have three letter acronyms, like uh, I, I, I have. IPT and yeah I just yeah anyway I, I like to just have little short acronyms and things so that when I look at a variable name I know what it is um, and in there we just get to put a toast like we can see it in the bootstrap docs div class equals toast role equals sir, status aria atomic div class equals toast dash header an empty strong tag we'll need later div class equals toast body. so that's so much easier that's to easier. read right? yeah yeah Yep, absolutely. Great, we've defined our toast. And if we want to change our toast, that's easy to edit, right? I noticed that in your toast, you have a fancy little, uh, I presume it's an emoji or something for a clock icon. Right. If I wanted to put that in, I could just put it in front of the strong tag there. Really easy to do. And I can see how it's going to hang together. And if I wanted to put something else inside my my toast or whatever, really easy to do, right? It's all here. If it needs a margin or something, I can just put, you know, m-5 or whatever, so this is how we like to edit HTML. So this is great. So now we've got to update our JavaScript to make use of this much nicer way of expressing our HTML. So given what we know before, we can replace the lines of code before with a copy and paste job of that horrible dollar import node dollar toast underscore tpl.get zero dot content comma true dot children. Just copy wait, paste wait. that glop.
0: But um Oh, okay. So uh, this is going to be... In the click handler. Okay. I'm so, lost in the show notes and in your 72B.
1: Okay. So in the show notes, we are now on... With that done, comma, we can rewrite the event handler, colon, if you search okay. for that. Okay. Okay. So the template should be just above you, and then click handler I'm about to talk about is just below you. Yes?
0: Ah, seeing them both at the same time. Important. Got it. Okay. Okay. So, so we're inside the click handler.
1: We're inside the, the click start handler. creating
0: toast. Okay. And where
1: we had all of this jQuery code, we our, our original code made a variable called $toast, but it built it up step by step by step, class yada, yada, yada. Now we just make the same variable $toast, but we just get it all in one go. Document that import node, blah, 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 blah. Copy paste, right? Just That's just a blind copy paste or a text expander snippet is what that is. And now we have our toast. So that toast is now a clone of that template tag, which means it doesn't have any text in it yet. So we should probably put some text in before we show our toast. So I say const title text becomes equal to, give me either the value of the text box, or if there's no value in the text box, call this ipsum.sentence library I imported from last time. Mm -hmm. That gives us some random text. uh, And convert it to title case because that looks pretty. And then I simply say so this is the line 8 is where the the magic is happening. So I'm saying dollar and I'm passing it as the first argument the string dot toast-header space strong and as the second argument dollar toast. So do you remember what the dollar function does when it gets two arguments? The first is a string and the second is a jQuery object.
0: So I think it's saying look for all the toasts that have Strong toast headers, that's where I'm never clear on this almost part. give me the
1: strong tag that is inside something with the class toast header
0: that's in dollar toast,
1: yeah, and that's the second part, so the fact that the second argument is dollar toast says and confine yourself to dollar toast, so the universe for okay, this so dollar function is toast
0: okay, so we're inside the we're looking inside dollar toast and then we're and saying.
1: Sorry, I'll let you say and it.
0: We're look- and we're looking for the strong tag? Yes, we are. Why? Well, because that's where the header text has to go. If you look at our template... But you said... Uh, okay, it says dot .toast-header space strong. What does that okay. mean? It's inside okay. quotes, so
1: it's just... It's a CSS selector. And the problem to be solved is that on line 18, my, str- my header is empty. There is no text there so I cloned that so I now have a toast with no header okay um, so I need to insert text inside that strong tag is the problem to be solved
0: okay you're you're in uh, you've got me in three places that all have numbered lines so I don't know where line 18 is I oh. think that's in the full file not in either of the examples in the show notes correct
1: Yes, sorry. Uh, yes, okay. I should have said that really, shouldn't
0: so, I? <laughs> okay, so you've you've got the HTML that creates this. Uh, so in, in the show notes, it's actually line five. It says strong. So you've got it strong, but there's nothing inside it. Yes. So what we're going to try to do with this glop you've written here is do what? We're trying to put something in there?
1: Yes, we want to put the actual the heading text into the strong tag.
0: Okay. So, given that as our problem to be solved, we're saying, I want you to go look in Dollar Toast, which is the one we just made. Yeah. That's the clone we just created. I want you to go find the strong tag and put toast header in there?
1: No, other way around. toast header? Yeah. So, the way you read that CSS selector is, give me the strong tag that is inside something with the class toast header.
0: Give me the strong tag that's inside something with the class Toast header that's inside dollar $Toast. Yes. And then dot add text. text to it. Yeah. Okay. The
1: next one's a bit easier. So we say const body text becomes equal to either what was in the text area or ipsum.paragraph, right, some random glop. And then on line 10 there, you have a much easier one. So we say dollar sign. again, two arguments, first a string dot .toast-body, and then dollar toast, so in that case, can you see the can you tell me what the selector means?
0: Um, yeah, you're just saying, look for dollar toast, or inside dollar toast, look for the you look for something with that toast body as its class. yes, but I don't know what the something is because we didn't tell it to look for the strong tag. We're just saying the toast anything that has cl- class toast body that's inside dollar toast correct and shove the body text in into there
1: spot on so if you look at inside the original file at line 20 you can see that it just says div class equals toast body slash div okay so we just put the text straight into the toast body okay so now our template has two bits of text in it right where we want them one inside the strong tag and one inside the toast body
0: Oh, I see the problem. Because you created that, that strong tag, you couldn't just say, look for things with the class toast-header. Precisely. You had to say, look for the strong tag inside things with the class toast-header. Okay.
1: That's it in a nutshell, yes. Okay. So now we have a clone and we've put our text in. So we, ha- we cloned and we modified. At this point, we are actually exactly where we had arrived in our original code. We have achieved exactly the same end in a much nicer way. So at this point in time, it's actually identical code to what we had before. We append it into the Toast rack. We call the Toast plugin to initialize it as a Toast. We give it a delay of 3000. We add the event handler so that it deletes itself when you hide it. And finally, we say, show. It
0: doesn't look very simple, (laughs) Right, I, maybe it's because you've got all of that Lorem Ipsum junk in there. It looks pretty messy. All
1: right, so if you imagine that instead of title text, you just had boogers and snot, then you could ignore line seven altogether and ignore line nine altogether, and you would just be left with, you know, dollar dot toast body comma dollar toast dot text boogers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That does okay. seem simpler, doesn't it? Yeah. And then this right, so this is. Whatever number of lines of code this is, if our template had 500 lines, our code would still be as short. So no matter how ornate I made our toast by adding emoji or no matter how intricate I made those toasts, at the end of the day, my code would be exactly the same. Get me the template, put in the title, put in the body, call it a day. So this scales extremely well. Whereas the other method does not scale well. It's very difficult to add extra things to your template the other way. This way, it's very easy. I can see that. So
0: hopefully with practice, I'll get used to looking at this.
1: You will. And the other thing is, so that one line of horrible code is just one of those lines that you just copy paste, right? I explained how it works because I don't believe in handing you magic boxes. I don't think that's a good Mm -hmm. approach. But you don't really need to build it up from first principles every time. It's like, at this right. stage, you know that you copy and paste the style sheet and the three JavaScript files for Bootstrap. Right. And we talked about the hows and the whys 50 installments ago or whenever. Mm-hmm. But only the ones, right? Now it's just second nature. Yeah, yeah, we just include that. You know, initially when we first met jQuery, we talked about how you include jQuery into your document. But now that's just, yeah, it's just a copy-paste job. And so that code right. for turning that template into a jQuery variable is just going to be a copy paste job. What you know is I create a template, I give it an ID, and then this code gives me a clone, and away I go. Cool. Yeah. Now, so we have now, I think, made simple templating like those toasts way better. And th- so this is everything HTML5 does for us, which is a lot more than HTML4 did. So it's definite progress. But a bit like HTML5 form validation, it's a hell of a lot better than what we used to have, but it doesn't actually have everything you might want. And that's why there's still a need for third-party template libraries that do more than this. That's why next week we're going to learn about Mustache. Because what we don't have here is the ability to have conditionals I can't, e- I can't put some sort of if statement inside that template to say, if something is true, show the header, otherwise don't show the header. I don't have any sort of mechanism oh. for doing that. Oh, okay. With mustache, I will. I can mark different parts of the template as being conditional on something happening. I don't have any ability in that template to put in a loop. So if my template was to list all the states in America, say, with their full name and their abbreviation, I can't do that with one of these templates easily. Hmm. but I can with mustache because mustache has the concept of loop this so that's why those third party libraries exist, they give us everything we have today and they give us extra features Is there a list of
0: what you can't do? Well all you
1: I'll put it to you the other way the only thing you can do is clone and edit
0: Well clone what? Though, what can you put inside? I mean, any HTML you like. I can't, and not if it's a uh, if it's got an if statement. And I can't.
1: Right, but that's not HTML. H- HTML doesn't have an if tag, so you okay. can only do HTML. You, the only thing that can go in a template is something you can type as pure HTML.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: A mustache template will not have only HTML. It will have HTML plus mustache. So there'll be mustaches in your HTML. Okay. Or other glop. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? So every syntax... Has, not every syntax. that That's that's garbage. That's not English. Um, every templating language has its own syntax. The mustache syntax is full of curly brackets that look like mustaches, which is why it's called mustache. And I think oh, that's cute.
0: Oh, okay. That
1: is cute. And other templating languages have different symbols. But what they all have is HTML plus their own symbols. And their own symbols do the magic, whereas what HTML5 templates have is HTML. Good day, we're done. <laughs> okay. Which is already powerful, right? It's already very useful, but we're going to do more. And what we're going to see is I have one, there's one piece of, of, J, of bootstrap I haven't come to yet. And the reason is because it's a piece of jQuery that's designed to show... A collection of things. And that means it's designed to be looped over. And that means we really do need templates that can do loops.
0: Okay.
1: So I'm teasing like hell here. <laughs> I'm teasing for next week and after that. You yeah, the
0: name Mustache, so...
1: You see, t- t- I I'm not actually sure that the reason I use Mustache isn't also because I like it and it's cute and playful and funny and the <laughs> documentation has a sense of humour, and the documentation exists. That's I find that's a good one. That one makes yeah. me happy as a general rule. Um, and when you look at this, it, it's readable, which I, I put a lot of stock in stuff being readable. Anyway, I, you know, that's for next week. So before we finish up today, I should probably set you a wee challenge, shouldn't I?
0: Yeah, why not?
1: Uh, I would like you to take your timer as it stands now, or your waffles as they stand now, And I would like you to refactor them so that your toasts or your waffles become HTML5 template. Okay. Simple, straightforward, but I think probably good practice.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) And then next time we're going to learn about mustache.
0: All right. Well, this doesn't sound too hard. Mustache is easier. It looks like it needs practice, that's for sure. Yes,
1: it does. But if you can just keep in your mind, clone, edit, use, clone, edit, use, oh, clone, edit, use.
0: That that isn't the hard part. The hard part is the syntax doesn't even have, like you said, not having the word "clone" in it, just because they're mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, in
1: yeah, a node means a tag, and it yeah 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is. It is. It just is. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh, The way you explained it helps. Very good. Okay. Excellent.
1: Until whenever it is, happy computing.
0: If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to let'sdashtalk.ie talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeed or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeed.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.